This is going to be my final message at this point on the Love Walk. So it's going to summarize a lot of things that I shared from the very beginning. And to say the least, I will leave all manner of things out, but they're in the other messages. But I wanted us to just close by looking at some of the beginning of what this is all about. I mean, again, no greater commandment, no greater truth. Now, I want you to understand something from the beginning, something that the Lord said to me. Love, God's love, not the world's love, is a spirit force. It's a force in the spirit realm. It has magnitude. It has power. To say the least, it brings effect, it brings change. So you mustn't just think, it's not just being ooey-gooey, like I've said from the beginning, but you must see this. See, God is love. To say the least, God is a spirit force. But that helped me. He said, you must understand, when you truly have begun to discipline yourself to my love, it's like a force field. There's a radiation that comes from you that penetrates darkness. It penetrates darkness. It's a spirit force. And he said, but you have to meditate on this and think on this until you begin to see it in your own life. You need to begin to see that as your heart condemns you not because you're walking in the light and walking in God's love, that you have this ability to walk into a place and bring change, not because you're so cool, but because God's love in you is a spirit force. And the force of that is radiating something out of you as you walk into this room. And it will affect people. I've had it affect people in my life, and I'm sure you have as well. It's amazing how people can recognize something on you that you don't recognize on yourself so often. I could tell you story after story. It's incredible, and it's all glory to God because it's a force. So hallelujah. So I'm going to go right back to the beginning. John chapter 13. Remember how poignant this is. You've heard me teach on this from many angles. John 13. Jesus, it's the Last Supper. Verse 1 says, Jesus, knowing that the time had come for him to you know, return unto heaven and he'd leave this earth and return unto his father, you know, having loved his own, he loved them to the last and to the highest degree. He's about to die. This is what's preeminently in his mind. This is why he goes through this whole thing. He's trying to leave the prime example to those who are going to carry forward the mission of heaven. And he shows them, he washes their feet. He doesn't give them a seminar on healing prayer. Anything. He washes their feet and says, this is the example I'm giving you, that even as I've done unto you, you should do to one, you should do one to another. Serve. Think. Esteem others more than yourself. And like I said, I've got a lot of scriptures, so let me just jump. So uh, this is what I mean. But see this in John 13. He says, John 13, verse 34 and 35. And like I said, these are so familiar, but I'm summarizing this, and I want you to catch it again why it's so important. Jesus, the Son of God, our Lord and Savior, he said this over and over again. I give you a new commandment that you should love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you too should love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another, if you keep on showing this kind of love among yourselves. Remember, the only defining truth he said that's going to identify you and me as a follower of Jesus Christ, it is not our ability to prophesy as wonderfully important that is, not our ability to heal the sick. He said, the one thing that's going to identify you as one of mine is love. That's the primary thing that's going to be seen, the love on you, the love in you, the love coming through you. Praise God. 
In John chapter 15, verse 10 through 13, again, you know, this is the whole conversation at the Last Supper. John records the entire conversation. That's what makes the Gospel of John so incredibly powerful. If you keep my commandments, if you continue to obey my instructions, you will abide in my love and live on in it, just as I have obeyed my Father's commandments and live on in his love. Now, I've told you these things that my joy and delight may be in you. Can you imagine? He wants the joy that he walked in, knowing everything to be in you and I. I told you these things, that my joy and delight may be in you, and that your joy and gladness may be a full measure, complete, overflowing. This is my commandment, that you love one another, even as I loved you. Now, you just said it, but this is what I mean, why it so struck me all the years ago, over and over and over again. In his last moments, he just hammers this and hammers this. Guys, guys, love one another. Love one another. Because why? Because he knows all kinds of things are going to occur to try to diminish that power that binds us together and keeps us one. I have told you these things that my joy and delight may be in you and that your joy and gladness may be a full measure and complete and overflowing. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I've loved you. No one has greater love. No one has shown stronger affection than to lay down give up his own life for his friends. And of course, to a degree, he's speaking about what he's just about to do. But again, he's communicating an attitude that you and I need to carry. This is why over and over in Scripture, you was, again, you've heard this throughout this teaching, esteem others more than you esteem yourself. Jesus gave no thought to his own interests, but only to those who he served. Man, what's it mean to follow Jesus? Now jump to Ephesians. We're going to go all the way to Ephesians. And I can, there's several verses there, but like I said, I'm just taking a few to summarize the whole love law. Verse chapter 3, Ephesians 3, verses 16 through 19. May Christ through your faith actually dwell, settle down, abide, and make his permanent home in your hearts. And here's the rooted and the foundation. Remember the root system and the foundation of a building or what determines the health of a plant or the strength of an edifice. May you be rooted deep in love, not prayer even. See, you don't like hearing that, but catch it. He's not, just, he's not saying anything else is less. He's just saying this is more. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's people, the experience of that love. What is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of it? Four dimensions. So that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourself the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled through all your being. Here's the verse. Here it is. What do you do with this? <laughs> may you be rooted deep and found securely in love that you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God, that you may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Goodness, goodness, goodness. I'm telling you, that's incredible. To me, that's just, it's just, it's, it's just mind-blowing. No matter how many times I read this, studied it, it just carries me. I jump to Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 through 10, and Paul says this, And this I pray, 
that your love may abound yet more and more and extend to its fullest development in knowledge and all keen insight so that your love might display itself in greater depth of acquaintance and more comprehensive discernment. Why? So that you may surely learn to sense what is vital and improve and prize what is excellent. There's a lot of things that you may think are excellent and important, but the love of God shows you what truly is important. That you might approve and prize what is excellent and of real value, that you might recognize the highest and the best and be able to distinguish the moral differences and that you may be untainted and pure, unerring and blameless, so that with hearts sincere and certain and unsullied, you may approach the day of Christ without stumbling or causing others to stumble. Hallelujah. All because he's praying your love needs to abound more and more, needs to grow, needs to increase. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 to 14, be gentle. And again, like I said, these are God's directions to us. He means it. Be gentle and forbearing with one another. And if one has a difference, a grievance, or a complaint against each other, readily pardoning each other, even as the Lord has freely, freely, no charge, freely forgiven you. He didn't charge you for it. It was a gift. He just forgave you. So must you also forgive. And above all these things, put on love and enfold yourself with the bond of perfectness, which means maturity, which binds everything together in ideal harmony. The love of God is what makes everything come together and work as it is intended to work. Now, in 1 John, we're going to jump to 1 John now. 1 John is where God, where John, the Apostle John, the one who sat on Jesus' breast. So this is his last days, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. 2 and 3 John are, are written to individuals, but 1 John is written to the entire community over which he is the spiritual father. He's in his last days. He, they tried to kill him, boiling him in oil, remember, and they couldn't. The presence of God evidently just too strong on his life and his body. But here he's speaking to the community and sharing again. And again, to really fathom God's love, you, the book of 1 John is something you need to just, well, live in for a long time. Read it in every translation you can. Read it slowly. Read it out loud and consider the depth of what he's saying. But he's talking about how God is light and this is absolutely crucial to understand why he brings this up so strongly, because the first chapter is where he talks about sin. You know, if you if you know that you've sinned, confess your sin, God's faithful and just to forgive you. But the whole truth about God being light is that light shows up darkness. David did an incredible message on embracing the light last Sunday, to say the least. He's, this guy, is, he's got it. But the thing is, God is light. He's love and he's light. He's love and he's light. And his love light, when you get near him, it will indeed show up any area of darkness, won't it? But you have to see this is coming from the love he has for you, not from him being a spiritual detective wanting to find a place to, to you know, condemn you with. Now he says, hey guys, I want to be as near you as I can possibly be. I'm a spirit. I need to be close, as close to your spirit. I want close fellowship. Look at, I want, to, I want you to see something maybe you haven't seen. And his light shows up this stuff because he wants us to deal with it and fix it. He doesn't show us things to condemn us. He shows us darkness, little areas of sin, to help us be better. <laughs> Just that simple. Again, this, you know, we, you could preach for five hours on the issue of light. There's so much truth scientifically and spiritually. 
But anyhow, let me jump to 1 John chapter 2, verses 9 and 11. Whoever says he is in the light and yet hates his brother, Christian, born-again child of God, is in darkness. If you say that you're in God and you've got hatred in your spirit, he said you're a liar. Another verse a little later, he winds up saying you're a liar and God can't be in you. You can't have hatred in you and have God in you. Whoever says he is in the light and yet hates his brother, Christian, born-again child of God, his father, is in darkness. In other words, you don't know where you're going, which is what he's going to say. Whoever loves his brother believer lives in the light. And in it or in him, there's no occasion of stumbling, a cause of error or sin, because you'll see clearly what stuff is. But he who hates, who detests and despises his brother in Christ is in darkness and walking and living in the dark. And he's strained and does not perceive or know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I cannot tell you how many people I know or have known who have been exact pictures of this. They didn't even know where they were going. And you try to help them and say, don't, don't do this. Don't have this attitude. Don't walk this direction. You will not end up where God wants you to end up. Please, please hear me and not more than me. Hear what the word of God says. Don't walk in the light right now. Don't get rid of the darkness. Let that stuff get out of your spirit. Re repent and rebuke it. Anyhow, praise God. Jumping now to 1 John chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. By this, it is made clear who take their nature from God and are his children, their nature, and who take their nature from the devil and are his children. You see, you understand, there's only... Two kinds of people, people who have the nature of God and people who have the nature of the devil. What are you going to do? It's the way it is. No one who does not practice righteousness, who does not conform to God's will and purpose and thought and action is of God. Neither is anyone who does not love his brother, his fellow believer. For this is the message, the announcement which we've heard from the first, that we should love one another. Think about this. John's been around all this time, like I said. At the Last Supper with Jesus touched him, felt him, as it says in the first few verses of chapter 1 of 1 John. And he says, I know you've heard this over and over again, but this is the message. This is the message we heard from the beginning. He gave us a commandment around the table. Those of us that were with him, his first disciples, he gave us this commandment around the table. Over and over again, he said, this is a new commandment. I give you love one another. Love one another. Love one another. It's incredible. 1 John 3, 14, we know that we have passed over out of death into life by the fact that we love the brethren because we have this something in us. I want to love people. I want to be good to people. Don't you want to be good to people? Hopefully there's nothing in you that looks for an opportunity to, quote, unquote, be a bit mean. That's, that's the devil. That's not God. We know we passed over out of death into life by the fact that we love our brethren. He who does not love abides, remains, is held and kept continually in spiritual death. Now remember, as I've taught before, death in the Bible never means the, to the cessation of existence. That you don't, it doesn't mean you, to cease to exist. It means separation from the presence of God. And he who does not love, it says, abides and is held continually in a position of spiritual separation from God. You are separated from God if you're angry all the time at somebody, if you've got strife in your heart, if you've got tons of unforgiveness. You are your own worst enemy. You have separated yourself 
from God's desire to help you. He wants you to acknowledge the truth, repent, ask forgiveness, and just turn to him and he will, he will, like Jesus said, he will immediately run to you and bring things right in your life. Hallelujah, he's that good. 1 John 3, 23, and this is his order, his command, his injunction that we should believe in, put our faith and trust and adhere and rely on two things, that we should believe on the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and that we should love one another. Two things, he said, and this is the issue. This is his command. Number one, believe in the name of Jesus and on him. And number two, love one another. We should love one another. Hallelujah. That's so strong. I mean, it, you know, it's just beautiful. Two things, the name and love. Believe on the name and everything that he did for us and love one another. Final verse I'm going to give to you in 1 John is 1 John verse 7 through 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 12. And again, we know these, we know these, we know these, but like I said, we're summarizing what's what we've been teaching. Beloved, let us love one another. <laughs> For love is and springs from God. And he who loves his fellow men is begotten and born of God and is coming progressively to know and understand God. The way you begin to progressively really know God is when you begin to walk in the commandment of love. That's when you begin to know it, because you cannot know God and not know love. His kind, not the world kind. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is and springs from God, and he who loves his fellow men is begotten and born of God and is coming progressively to know and understand God to perceive and recognize and get a better and clear knowledge of him. He who does not love hasn't even become acquainted with God, does not, never did know him, for God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest and displayed where we are concerned, in that God sent his son. God sent his son the only begotten or unique son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, his love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us first, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the sacrifice that pays for every sin we've ever committed and might ever commit. Good Lord. Beloved, if God loved us so very much, how simple is this? We ought also to love one another. In other words, you, if you will really see how much God has loved you, he's forgiven you, you're clean before the Lord, no matter what state you're in, even right this second, I don't care what you did an hour ago or last night. If you're honest, God, the first chapter talks about if you just confess your sins, God one simple honesty. If you're honest with him, that's all you need to be. Honest. And his blood has done the job. He says, thank you for being honest. Be cleansed of all unrighteousness. Not only that, that you may have met where you may have messed up yesterday or last night, but be cleansed of all the other areas that you don't even know are not really in perfect standing with me. I mean, he loves you that much. Can you dare to believe that? Believe the love? And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God loved us so very much, we also ought to love one another. No man 
has at any time yet seen God, but if we love one another, God abides, lives, and remains in us, and his love, his love, that love which is essentially his, is brought to completion and to its full maturity and runs its full course and is perfected or yeah, perfected in us. Again, you've heard me teach it, but please get this. No man has at any time seen God. But do you hear what the Apostle John is saying? But if you and I will love each other with this God kind of love, God will dwell in us. In other words, he will dwell in a physical being that others can see. They will see our God in us. What an incredible privilege. What an incredible responsibility. This is why the joy becomes greater and you begin to lay hold on eternal life. And because that's what the rest of 1 John goes into. He's praying. This is the gift. He's given us eternal life right now. We have eternal life. So my brother and my sister, I pray that you've enjoyed these, and I pray that you'll listen to them over and over again. I've taught these for so many years. And you know what, like I said, as long as I live, I will continue to teach it because to me, there's no greater message. This is the message. This is the message. This is the message that they heard from the beginning, love one another. So who am I not to teach what Jesus commanded us to teach? Who are you not to walk in what he commanded you to walk in? Me as well. So, Father, I bless our people. I bless whoever may watch this. And, Spirit of God, I thank you for your great anointings and your great spirit of revelation falling upon each of them to recognize you as light and you as love and everything it will lead them into. And I give you praise, Father. I give you praise. You have loved us out of death into life. And I thank you, Father for the incredible grace you poured upon us in your love for us through sending Jesus Christ to live and to die for us in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you richly. Bye-bye.